It's cutting into your exercise time. It's stabbing you in the back nine. And it's attacking your peace of mind. It's pain, and it's getting in between you and the life you want to live. CBD Medic targets your pain at its source. It's fast-acting relief with active OTC ingredients, plus the added benefits of THC-free hemp oil. Get back to your life with CBD Medic, available online and at CVS. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. From the kids to Aunt Sue, keep your whole family connected on all their devices with crowd-pleasing gig-speed internet from Xfinity. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Learn more about gig speed internet or other popular plans now with even more speed. Enjoy faster downloads and a better streaming experience today. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit an Xfinity store for a great offer. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Everybody, thank you for joining us. And this is Stan Wangland from The People Under the Stairs. I'm one of the co-hosts uh, of the show. And uh, man, we have a great, great show for you tonight. Uh, you know, uh, we have uh, our guest co-host, who I love when she's on the show. She's really wonderful, gets wonderful reviews from The New York Times other uh, other places that are out there and uh, papers that's that's cat nor uh, cat ward from paranormal heart uh we've got you know my my favorite buddy pj paul james caden he's out there and we have a, a wonderful guest tonight uh steve stockton uh who's uh you see i ordinarily get i start fooling around but i can't because steve is a man of dignity 
uh, a man of, um, of of letters, as they would say years ago. He's a wonderful writer. He has a fascinating life. He's done so many things and still is doing them. He has a wonderful podcast uh, called 13 Past Midnight and YouTube um, that goes along with that. Uh, he's a host on a lot of shows, uh, people he's a frequent guest on things, and really is a renaissance fellow. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm not joking uh, for once there. I had the opportunity to chat with him a little bit last night and a great guy on a show. And he's going to tell us about his paranormal experiences, his show, and a bunch of other things. Uh, but the guys are all out there. And the, uh, Steve is in Portland, Oregon, and it's been raining a great deal out there. Uh, the weather has been poor. Uh, Paul is out there doing different things. And Kat, I, I don't know, I think it's Ottawa that she's at, in Ottawa. So Paul, Paul, are you out there? Are you with us? Oh, yeah. I'm out here doing, you know, different things. <laughs> You're doing different things. <laughs> How's everything going tonight, Paul? Very good. It's a very, uh, very good night to do a paranormal podcast. It's cloudy. It's windy. It's perfect. Yes, it, yes, it is. And and, and Kat, Kat, are you out there? I see that your mic is. Oh, there she is. She's probably talking to Steve saying, is this guy out of his mind? <laughs> How's it going, Kat? <laughs> I'm the cat under the stairs. That's it. <laughs> I'm good. Great. Thank you so much for joining us last night. I mean, tonight. tonight. <laughs> uh, that, that's it. You know, it's uh, I'm thinking of that show with John Oliver, you know, whatever it is about something last week. And how about you, Steve? Are you out there, Steve? <clears throat> yeah, here I am. Hey, hey, thanks for joining us, Steve. Kat, did you want to, uh, Paul, we want to have some applause for Steve. We've got more people. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, man. Oh, man. Thanks so much, Steve. Uh, I was telling Paul and I mentioned to Kat, uh, you know, I, I just wanted to set the stage a little bit for you. And then uh, I always hijack the show, it seems. I'm a big ham bone. <laughs> and uh, I, I keep saying that jump in. But then I, I start asking more questions because the people are so fascinating. <laughs> but Steve, you are a fascinating guy. Uh, for those people uh, on our show who might not be familiar with uh, with you, uh, I tried to give you that little bit of lead in. But could you please, and I know you're probably sick of doing this, but could you tell us something about yourself, your show, um, what got you into the shows, your paranormal experience? You told me, I think yesterday you had one at age six. If you could kind of give a little bio and then Kat and Paul and whoever wants to ask some questions, we'll do it. Yeah, sure. No problem at all. I just, yeah, like I was telling you, I saw my first full body apparition at age six. Saw what looked like a child run across the road, caddy corner into our yard. And if you notice children that haven't quite mastered the art of walking, let alone running, they get too fast and then they just kind of fall. Well, when the child did that, it disappeared, just poof, gone. Didn't take my eyes off the spot, went right to it. There's nothing there, nothing I could have mistaken for a child, no hole that it could have fell into, anything like that. But I know what I saw, even at six. And I just, it didn't scare me as much as it opened a sense of wonder in me. I'm like, you know, that's not supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really have an awareness of, of ghosts and things like that at the time, but it, it did kind of open me up to that. And it's just, it's been a lifelong pursuit. Um, 
I was an older in life, uh, unexpected baby for my parents. I had my brother raised and out of the house basically by the time I was born. So raised as an only and all their friends were their age and nobody had any small children. So anytime we went anywhere to visit, I was kind of on my own and usually in the latter part of the evening and that would go the adults into telling stories, legends, things that they had seen or heard. And I just sort of started collecting those. And that was years and years ago. And then finally, uh, at my grandmother's funeral, I just had uh, an epiphany there to write all these down. because She was there in her coffin, and I thought, you know, every story, every weird thing, every superstition, everything she ever told me, it all ends right there unless I do something with it, because I was the only one I know that she told those stories and things to mainly. I was her favorite as far as the paranormal and anything weird or creepy. Mm -hmm. And I just took that mantle upon myself to uh, start writing them down, collecting them. And then here we are a few years later, and I decided to publish book form and stories, not only that I heard from her, but all these other people and then that led to me doing a book of my own paranormal experiences. Wow. Uh, you, you know, it's a, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating story. And, uh, you know, you know, I'm a psychologist. And when you say at age six, a lot of people would say even at age six, you know, that could be, uh, you know, like having an imaginary friend or, you know, some kind of reaction from, you know, your brain not being fully developed or misinterpreting something. But you were absolutely you were absolutely sure that that you saw that uh, apparition and it affected you and uh, it, it's affected you your entire life. Have you ever had any uh, more? Uh, yeah. Have you had other experiences where you've seen apparitions again? Not a full bodied like that, not to that mm -hmm. extent and, and that to a degree I've seen people that only later did I realize they they weren't there. Um, i not too long ago in downtown Oregon, I passed a man who was wearing what I would describe as clothes from the 1800s. Oh, wow. And uh, he, he passed me by, went around the corner, and I thought, I got to get a better look at that cat. He was wearing some cool threads. So mm -hmm. I go around the corner, and I think it was a bank building or something. There took up a whole city block. There were no doors or anything on that side of the block. The guy just wasn't there. And just you never know sometimes when you pass somebody that looks a little bit out of place or maybe a little oddly dressed, mm -hmm. maybe they are from another time, whether it be a ghost or some residual energy or a time slip, who knows. But again, I know what I saw. I'm not on any kind of uh, drugs prescribed or otherwise uh, rarely known to drink and certainly not in the daytime, but that's how it happened. That, that's that's uh, fascinating stuff. How old were you when your grandmother passed away? I was about 13, right around that age. Oh, so you knew at 13 you were going to tell these stories then. You were in your teenage years. You were a young lad. And this was in Tennessee, am I correct? Yes, sir. That's correct. East Tennessee. Wow. Uh, now, Pat, uh, Paul and, and Kent, you know, I, I know you've interviewed uh, Steve before and, and worked together. You feel free to jump in. And I'm being really serious because I, I, Steve, I could talk to you for the next 12 hours, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm just going to have to fight. I'm not that I don't have questions for you, to, but I, I've got to back off to let the other hosts ask some things or get into areas because you are just fascinating. 13, you're in Tennessee. You've seen an apparition five years prior, and you're listening to all these stories. 
were you kind of in the backwoods or a rural area of Tennessee or in a city? It was semi-rural at that time. Uh, West Knox County was out in the suburbs, and and where we lived, it was farms. And in fact, just up the street, my grandparents had had a dairy farm just a few years prior until the uh, Tennessee Valley Authority dammed up uh, the Clinch River there and created Melton Hill Lake and left their dairy barn sitting on about a quarter acre. And uh, <laughs> so it it was somewhat rural farmland. I've got gotcha. you. So, what are you guys thinking, Cat and Paul? What do you what, what do you think about Steve's story, or what kind of what kind of things do you think are important to ask him about this development of uh, his paranormal uh, impressions on the world? Well, I find it fascinating how people who are into the paranormal, like we are, there's not too many people who have never had an experience who are into this field. Uh, everyone that I speak with have had paranormal experiences. And oddly enough, it started as, as a child. And I find that really fascinating. And I, I kind of wish somebody had it logged someplace where, um, you know, how old were people when they had their first experiences and just see how many are children, like, is it the majority of people that are children who have had these encounters or, you know, it's, it would be really nice to see if somebody could uh, look at it from a statistic, st- Statistical point of view. Sorry, couldn't mm-hmm. get that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I, I've met a lot of people that had, and around the same age, usually around five or six years old, yeah. was the first really profound experience. And sometimes maybe not until later in adulthood, but then they'll remember to a lesser degree an experience they had as a child. You know, and there's I, a reason. I'm sorry, Steve. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was going to say there's a reason for that, because that's a very specific period of what they call, call neural development. And it's uh, because I ran early intervention programs and things. And we'd have to explain to people from zero to three is a specific thing up to age eight. Then again, you know, into your from, you know, about eight to your uh, till about you basically think 21 or 22. Now, all the way up to around 27, mm. your brain is mm. going through some major changes. Uh, through those times. And uh, man, uh, you know, if you're looking at this apparition stuff, as talking to people like yourself, I mentioned this on every show, man, when uh, it, if you're looking at the world and our, perce- you know, our perceptions related to consciousness or lack of awareness, that's what your brain does, man. You know, it, it's it, that's what extrasensory perception means. I find it's interesting, too, that when people have these experiences, whether it's from a childhood or whatever, yeah. say say they've had them since a child, people either don't want to have anything to do with it and they just block it right. or they get into the field because they're very, very curious to see what was it that they experienced and are there other people and they just have mm-hmm. questions they want answered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's I think. It's just one of those things when you're a kid, you haven't learned that, you know, all those things don't happen or, oh, that was your imagination or, oh, that wasn't real. You haven't gotten to that point yet. So you're you're open, you're believing everything. You've got that childlike sense of wonder. And you can take something like that at face value and not overanalyze it. Just like me and my apparition, it was like, huh, that's not supposed to happen. I wonder what that was. Mm-hmm. You know, have a later on i found out you know how really strange it was but it's not really that much different than ex- other experiences that people have had yeah that were your parents uh very religious or did they have these paranormal experiences steve or were they just uh you know uh people who just uh 
you know, or what other folks would say are just the normal average folks? They were just average folks uh, to an extent at that time. They weren't very religious until much later in life. My older brother uh, became um, a preacher, and then they, they started going to church and things then, but weren't raised in any kind of real religion. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom's side of the family, they had been involved in spiritualism back at the turn of the previous century. So. Oh, okay. Uh, the, the grandmother that I speak of, at one time, she regularly held seances and table tappings. Um, she was a stealth-styled gypsy witch. She liked to tell fortunes. Uh, she could read cards, uh, would not tarot cards. She didn't like those. She liked just regular playing cards. Mm-hmm. She could read cards, tea leaves, and coffee grounds, as mm-hmm. well as the entrails of animals, which I didn't know that until long after she was gone. But that was something that the Vikings used to do. Right with a slaughtered animal and study the entrails of in her case it was when they were, were slaughtering meat for the the freezer or the table and she would pick one of the animals that was going to slaughter and say you know, i want to i want to poke around in that one with a stick when you, when you get it finished so I, I found that really unusual that something that that far back that she was aware of it and, and doing that and she used it to determine uh, what kind of growing season they were going to have it was in addition to a dairy farm and uh pig farming they also raised produce now see this is amazing stuff because it's almost like um uh it's it's almost like there's uh this this this, this Jungian kind of collective unconsciousness you know this mm-hmm. genetic kind of predisposition to things where people can whether they know it or not they can draw back on it the Vikings or the Celts or, you know, other things like that. They, they don't know why necessarily they do it, or maybe they do. They're old traditions and they kind of make a hybrid out of them and carry them on there. So that's fascinating stuff. How about you, Paul? You've had experiences when you were a young guy. How does this, how does this compare with Steve's stuff? Yeah, I, I like Steve's uh, background. It's, it's very much uh, mirrors my own. Uh, when me and my brother were younger, We used to go every Friday night to my grandparents' house. My grandmother didn't drive, so my parents would take her shopping, and then we would stay with with my grandfather. And he would, uh, once it was dusk, it was like something out of an old movie. He would sit in his easy chair, and me and my brother would sit on the floor in front of him, you know, at his feet. And he would just tell story after story, things that he'd seen, things that happened to his family. And... Many in, in his family were actually into uh, uh, dark, you know, the dark arts, black magic, witchcraft. They're, they're really not so nice kind. And uh, I grew up listening for years into my teen years uh, and beyond. You know, when you went to, to grandma's house to spend the night or if you were there uh, and it was dusk, the lights went out and it was story time. And they were really some... Uh, Really some uh, humdingers, I'll tell you, you know, and I've, I've been wanting to share some on my podcast that, as you said, to, to keep uh, keep those stories alive because they're they're very interesting. I've never heard anything like them before. And, uh, you know, I, I would like people to to hear them and, and, you know, make up their own minds. Are they true? Are they false? Are they are they old uh, wives tales? But the interesting thing about my grandfather, one of the stories he used to tell is that when he was uh, a teenager, he used to do yard work for the the neighbors for for money. And he got a job uh, 
cutting the lawn for this woman. He said her name was Mrs. Myers and she was a widow. And one day he he got done cutting her, her, her yard, her grass. And, you know, she didn't have any money that week. And she, so she said, I want to pay you by giving you cookies. She gave him this bag of lemon cookies that she had made. And, and I first heard this story when I was probably, I got to say eight, nine years old, if not younger. And he swears as he walked past the window, there was a big picture window, you know, that kind of overlooked the yard from her living room. And he glanced up and she was sitting in a rocking chair looking down at him. And she had these big horns like, like you know, the devil growing out of her head. Ooh. You know, he, he threw the cookies in, in, in the, uh, the flower bed and he just ran. I mean, he never went back there. Now, the funny thing is. My my grandfather uh, passed away when he was 100 years old, so I was. Wow. I was in my my mid late twenties when he passed, and I would ask him periodically over the years. You know, my teens, twenties. Hey, remember that story you used to tell me about the the woman? You know, with the horns. Yeah, what was her name again? He always told it the same way. Oh yeah, that was Mrs. Myers. You know, so who knows? You know, <laughs> if he told them the exact same way for so many years, did he see it? Did he not see it? But. Uh, he wasn't a very educated man, but but the way he could always tell the stories the exact same way for so many years, every minute detail uh, was always very fascinating to me. And uh, he, he he was very instrumental in, in my 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 uh, my interest in the paranormal horror movies, ghost stories. You know, I, I've been hooked since I was a kid and. Naturally, I had my own experiences, which I won't uh, I, I won't hijack the show getting into my own stories just yet. But, uh, yeah, I've had uh, more than a few, definitely more than a few. Steve, what was your uh, you know, uh, I think the audience, I'm, several of my friends who listen to this show or people that I know contact me on the show, they, they love the personal aspect of of finding out about people who have paranormal experiences work in the field and it's it's nice to to let people know that these people are not nuts or crazy people or people looking for attention or you know making believe about things that they're delightful intelligent uh, you know articulate <clears throat> people like you and Kat and Paul mm-hmm. and things like that but you know when your grandmother uh, died at 13 uh Kat when she was on our show was talking about you know the stuff in her Seeing the uh, I was the hat man. Am I correct? Yes, the hat man. Yeah, the hat man. I always confuse that with the shadow man, uh, but or shadow people. I guess which I, it would qu- kind of qualify for that. What about you, Steve? As a kid, were you a a, a happy kid? Were you a popular kid in school? Uh, you have a, a voice, uh, even on this show, almost like a movie star. <laughs> right? Oh, gosh. I haven't, haven't heard that one before. Oh, no. I, forget I, the I don't voice. like the sound I, of my voice, particularly oh, when I'm editing, going back and like doing bits Sam, from my like show. It's like a voice, a Western voice. <laughs> it's fantastic. I could see uh, the voiceover. I, I think I sound like an educated hillbilly, which is basically what I am. So, <laughs> Yeah, but, yeah, I, well, I, yeah, it just, just sounds like one of those wise old cowboys or something like that you, that you'd see, uh, you know, on a, on a really a good movie 
I'll, I'll do you you'd hear the guy talk and I, I'll think of the actor's name and, and another time I'll tell you I know who he is but uh, you sound just like him uh, but what were you like as a kid did, you know did you go to college were you popular I, with the other boys and girls uh, no, no I didn't I wasn't popular I did go to okay. college yeah. uh, I was an odd little kid just basically being raised as an only and out in the country I had to make my own fun didn't have a lot of close friends and things and then with my parents being so much older that kind of changed the dynamic yeah. there and i've often said by the time i was 10 years old i'd been to more funerals than i'd been to kids birthday parties yeah. and a lot of that was by design just through my own part i've always been kind of a hermit kind of mm -hmm. uh looking back uh these days they would probably diagnose me as asperger's didn't didn't know anything like that back then but i have this ability to just concentrate on one thing and just everything else kind of just disappears and so uh, i read a lot i could read at a young age i talked before i could walk and then was reading before i even went to kindergarten were you and, a gifted kid were you identified as being a gifted kid because uh, one of the things i was going to say i sensed um and, and I, I don't think you'll mind this because I think it's very beautiful, and I think the audience will like it. You have a tinge of like a little bit of whimsy or sadness there that comes with people who have very, very, in my experience, very, very high intelligence, uh, a great deal of sensitivity, and I'm not trying to be patronizing to you. It's just a feeling that I get. Yeah, uh, that's that's true uh, to yeah, an extent. Yeah. There's that melancholia there, and that yeah, I think that yeah, comes yeah. from my dad's side of the family. Don't yeah. know why, but it's just there. But um, uh, it was like I said, I was just I was a weird little kid. Uh, I would have liked myself <laughs> when I was a kid, but said so I wasn't that popular. I've always had just a, a core group of close friends, and then everybody else was just sort of an acquaintance. Right. And they, being to the point where that I could read and reading on much higher levels and stuff, I would, you know, when we started school, they send you to the library and they're like, no, no, the picture books are over here. I'm like, I want to look at these books. And I remember getting into an argument with the, the library lady and the principal had to, to step in and he grabs a book and says, can you read this? And I opened it up and just started reading out of it. And he's like, let him have any book that he wants. So that kind of, you know, I just started early having to fend for myself that way. And as such, and they didn't really have a talented and gifted program back then. I went to, I started elementary school in 1969. Right. And uh, so as such, I, I was offered several times to skip grades. And as much as I didn't really care for my classmates that much, I wanted to stay with them because mm -hmm. I, the bigger and older kids seemed a lot bigger and older. Mm -hmm. And I would at least stay with my age group if they weren't my peers. But uh, I would often have conversations with the teacher on philosophical mm -hmm. questions and things. And the other kids yeah. are sitting there looking at me like, you know, I'm from Mars. Or I've got three heads or something. So I kind of had that reputation of being the weird kid. Mm -hmm. And I didn't mind that. I embraced that. I reveled yeah. in my weirdness after a while. It took took me a little time to get used to that. Right. And and Kat, now how were you as a kid there? You and you know, Steve is so demonstrative and and, and outgoing with all these stories. And, uh, and again, uh, you know, fascinating life from the conversation that we had. I just touched the tip tip of the iceberg. All the things that he's done. You are such an upbeat person. When you were a kid and a teenager and, and, you know, going through your youth and everything, were you a popular kid? Were you a kid that got along with everybody, had a lot of fun? 
had this fun like uh, fun attitude that you have now? Yeah, um, I wasn't a popular kid, but I was well liked. Um, I have mm-hmm. no siblings, but my mother's from a family of thirteen, and uh, wow. the yeah. Uh, French Catholic. (laughs) So um, the youngest was only three years older than me. So and I have lots of cousins. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, always upbeat, always playing and um, had a lot of friends. Well, had a few friends and lots of acquaintances like Steve. Um, I always liked ghosts and and things like that. And um, other kids would say, oh, that's the the strange girl who who likes ghosts. And I jokingly say, yeah, I'm still the strange girl that likes ghosts. But (laughs) but uh, and and nobody else when I was growing up was into that kind of thing. And isn't that funny that you say that Uh, I I, I, Paul would have to speak for himself. But now if you ask me, it's the first thing I'll tell the people. Everybody thinks. Uh, because I'm very outspoken. I do all kinds of workshops. I'm very verbal, everything. They'll say, man, you know, this guy, he must be a party animal. He did blah, blah, blah. I have tons of acquaintances in terms of friends that are my dear friends or close friends. You could put them on one or two, you know, one and a half hands. You know, uh, you know, and you may have a much higher level, but for me, I'm very, uh, very similar. Very similar with that. You know, people that I'm friendly with, people that I'm friendly towards, that I enjoy doing things. But really close, close friends, a much smaller number. Yeah. A much smaller number. And and I don't know if you're the same, but how about you, Paul? I'm just looking for some, you know, we're in doing the same thing. It's a totally random thing. Would you say that you're a person who has many, many friends or lots of acquaintances and a small number of true friends? Oh, definitely not a lot of friends, uh, you know, probably just a, a couple, a few mm-hmm. uh, more. Instances. I was the same way. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't popular, uh, you know, in, in the younger grades, uh, I, I, I was liked better, but I, I was the same way like Steve. I would go to school and when I would see the kids, you know, when they were watching Mickey Mouse and you know, uh, singing, you know, the, these kids songs in music class, I would think, gosh, they're awfully uh, childlike, you know, this, this is baby music, <laughs> but I was a baby with them, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I just thought outside the box and, and that's what I thought about all day. Like Steve said, you know, mysteries mm-hmm. of the universe when I was in like third grade, second grade, you know, it was superheroes, mysteries of the universe and the paranormal. That's what I thought about all the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. So yeah, I, w- I was definitely the oddball, um, the oddball out, and uh, you know, not a lot of friends. I-, I had friends, but I lost touch with a lot of them uh, over the years you know, for various reasons, and that's okay because I-, I too am a bit of a hermit. I-, I could, I could be in the woods without a soul around, just me, God, and the spirits, and I'm a happy camper. You know, I'll always find something to keep myself occupied. So. Paul is also a serial killer for everything. <laughs> I am. I, 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 I'm, I'm going to try to kill a person walking down the path. And <laughs> he, he likes the woods because that's where he hides the bodies, right? Yeah, there you go. Yes. Steve is the and right I'm, guy here. He'll have a story about <laughs> There's a very special place I have picked out since we just moved to March, and I want Stan to be the first in my special spot this year. <laughs> that's okay, Mike. You got a cask of Amontillado that you want to share with him. <laughs> but now, but now, if I may, since Steve is a storyteller, I have a really good 
30-second story that I would like to tell in his honor, and I would like him to critique the story. Well, Steve is also going to tell a story tonight. Uh, that was a surprise to everybody, but thanks for ruining that, Paul, and hijacking the show as usual. <laughs> I didn't ruin it. You is just... it a surprise to Steve too? Or? <laughs> no, Steve said he, he would he would indulge us. Yeah, I found some, but but go ahead, Paul. I'd love to hear your story. Yeah, I I, I think you're going to like this one. It's very short. It won't take up too much time. But uh, here we go. Give me one second to cue myself up here. Any minute now. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get an effect, and it's not working. Much like uh, Stan's list. Well, don't, just don't blame me now, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> it's the 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 curse of. Uh, we spare curse. no expense on the people under the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have words. Every... I'm going to have words with the technical department. <laughs> <laughs> I find every paranormal show has their technical difficulties. It's funny. Well, you it's, know, in my house, all the light bulbs burn out all the time, uh, everywhere. In uh, uh, Paul knows that's the truth. If I get the slightest ag bit agitated, mm -hmm. light bulbs burn out all over the place. I mean, they blow out. And I, I just wanted to say, anytime I've ever been on a show, there's something that happens either in the studio or here at my home or... When I've done live shows, I've had people in the audience call in and say, oh, I was listening to Steve and this uh, glass bowl full of wax fruit on my table just shattered. I'm like, can't oh. blame it on me, but strange things <laughs> kind of do follow me around, too. Yeah. So a little caveat there. Isn't that crazy? Yes. I, I have a friend who uh, had a, a paranormal uh, show, a channel on YouTube a, f a couple of years ago, and Every time she would have her show, because it was live, mm -hmm. there'd be some kind of technical difficulty on her end. The, her lights weren't working, so she was mm -hmm. dark or or whatever. But she also had a gardening channel, and she never, ever had any issues on that one. Right. Right. Well, Paul, we're trying to cover for you. Do you have everything? Well, well ladies and gentlemen, I, I am ready. Without further ado, <laughs> here's my, here is my story, a dedication to Steve. Here we go. Once upon a time, there was a man, and he saw a ghost, and he became very scared and ran away. The end. That was it. Did my music come through okay? <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> Paul, I didn't hear the music, but uh, I, I, I do have to say that uh, Steve and Kat are... are very nice people. They were nice to me. And uh, I think the term is patronizing me about the theremin music, but uh, I think you I think you struck a new low for the show. <laughs> that, hey, was that was pretty, true. That was a yeah, true story, man. <laughs> Steve, I, I hope you don't mind. You sound like a very genteel person and certainly Kat is, but Paul, that was 
fucking dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've heard worse, and I it was so. short, sweet, and to the point. Now, what's really bad is when somebody tells you a story of that caliber, no offense, but it goes <laughs> on and on and on and on, and they never quite get there to the end, and until you finally you're like, you're exasperated and said, okay, what happened? Just tell me what happened. So, you know, you didn't waste any time there. I appreciated that. <laughs> Beginning, middle, end, that's all you need. <laughs> you don't want to be like uh, Frederick March and inherit the wind when he has a few notes at the end of the Scopes Monkey Trial there, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course you can read them into the record, Mr. Brittany. <laughs> but uh, Steve, uh, mm-hmm. uh, bring us up a little bit to speed into your adult years and your interface between your work or life, if I'm not being too personal and you don't have to go there, mm-hmm. and the paranormal. I love this idea that uh, it would, it's a beautiful story is, is your late and beloved grandmother uh, is there, uh, you know, passing away or passed away. And you're saying, hey, I don't want to lose all these stories forever. You have this burning love and desire for all these macabre stories and you're going to you're going to keep them. How does this how does this uh, manifest itself in your adult life? Uh, my adult life, I it was I mean, it was always there. It always been a constant, something that I did or preferred to do. Um, like I said, even with the, the close friends, we didn't have a lot of likes there. You know, different kinds of music, different kind of movies, things like that. So I just basically ended up doing everything on my own because that way I didn't have anyone to to satisfy but myself. So <laughs> I would still mm-hmm. you know, do outings with friends and things, but usually I would have to go see what they wanted to see or listen to what they wanted to listen to. Mm-hmm. So again, just kind of continued that uh, that loner sensibility on into adulthood. Never lost interest in the paranormal, and I continued gathering stories wherever i worked even you know as a teenager working in a grocery store or fast food or whatever i would mm-hmm. corner my uh, co-workers and you know, ever have anything strange happen to you what's the weirdest thing you've ever seen or ever seen mm-hmm. a ghost and a lot of people will be like yeah i don't believe in all that stuff but there was this one time everybody's got that yep. one time story yep. mm-hmm. and uh, i lived for those and you were talking earlier about how you know, discerning between people that are just doing it for attention or people that, you know, are just making stuff up. But especially with a lot of the older tales, um, majority of those people are passed away now and they were somewhat reticent to talk about it even. I mean, sometimes you had to really coax a story out of them, maybe even drag it out of them with a log chain. But then once you got them started talking and they realized that you were listening and you weren't going to make fun of them or belittle their experience, then it would just kind of flow. So if, if nothing else, I think I was able to get people to that comfort level where, and I've even had people say, no, I don't, I've never had anything like that. I don't know anything. And then I would tell some stories and then they'd be like, well, there was this one time and I'm like, okay, here we go. And then the floodgates would open and I'd, I'd get some new material there. So I've always kept after it. I've always had that interest. Um, even when, you know, I had to do other things and uh, have other interests. And so because of other people, that was always in the back of my mind. I'd rather be home, you know, watching in search of than, than going out to a bar with my friends or mm-hmm. Or what have you there. So uh, worn a lot of different hats in life. I know we touched on that when we talked last night. When mm-hmm. Worked in IT, worked in um, entertainment industries, uh, live stage manager, live production manager for both Disney and Nickelodeon, and just 
kind of found my niche in the writing and stuff. That's all I do now. The <clears throat> books have kind of paved the way for me to stay at home and write full time. I don't live uh, a very extravagant lifestyle. In fact, it's very Spartan and very uh, starving artist, but I kind of like that. Just me and my dog here, mm -hmm. uh, the wilds of Oregon and uh, cold and rainy day like this is perfect for weaving stories. So or retelling a lot of the stories I tell are retellings of what I was told and then I do research here that's another thing anytime I'm traveling to an area that I've never been to or somewhere that I've always wanted to visit or even somewhere I'm going back to I'll do my due diligence and look ahead and see what legends there are what haunted houses things I want to check out and then wherever I get to wherever I'm going then I, I have something I can do while I'm there even if I'm there for another reason I always got that paranormal side trip the legend tripping as it were how how you I am I love Steve and if I was a single woman <laughs> <laughs> yeah Yes, I, I was thinking the same thing. Uh, not that if I was a single woman, I was uh, thinking that how uh, I wanted to thank Kat for introducing us to you and uh, some other very, very fascinating oh, people. You guys are great. I could oh. I could hang out with you. I'd go have a beer with you guys or, or whatever libation you enjoy. Well, same here. Is uh, as, as a matter of fact, uh, I, I certainly hope that we'll all become friends uh, you know, because I, I don't know if, how no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I was going to say that the people who are listening to this show, if you wonder why people do podcasting, it certainly isn't for the money. But yeah. uh, the people that you meet, and uh, starting with Kat or Katie Turner or some of the wonderful people that Paul and I have met uh, on other shows or the side that you see to people, and it, it is not, uh, and I don't mean to protest too much because I'm, you, you know, people say, I've got your back, and they don't. Mm -hmm. uh, you meet people like Steve and Kat and, and my God, the, the uh, humanity, the intelligence, the, uh, you know, they're just wonderful people. They've got fascinating outlooks on life. They have fascinating experiences. And to, to peel back the, uh, you know, peel back the bark. And when people are kind enough to just uh, reveal a little bit of themselves or a lot of themselves, what a, what a privilege. What a privilege. You're a fascinating, fascinating fellow. <laughs> Thank you. But it's you know? just, and I'm the same way, just you know, I'm thankful for the internet and the opportunity to meet other people that are so much like myself. Yeah. As opposed to trying to find people that are just a little bit like me to, to the point where we can get along together. You know, this is great. If I'd had the internet years and years ago, I would have gotten better grades in school for one thing, and I would have yeah. been able to meet all these people a lot earlier in life, you know, and, and like you're saying, there's just, I've got friends literally all over the world. I have people that I regularly talk to in Germany, in France, uh, several places in the UK, uh, South Africa. Uh, I've even got upstate New York there. My friend uh, Soraya Azkath has a great show called Where Did the Road Go? Mm -hmm. on uh, WVBR FM out of Ithaca there on the Cornell oh, campus. Oh, yeah, I live in Ithaca, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so you just, you never know. And then you meet people and they're like, you know, oh, this is great. You got to meet this guy. 
and then they bring him over and oh well this lady over here you'll like what she has to say so people like find things for you even so it's mm -hmm. it's even better as much as i enjoy seeking it out on my own and stuff it's even better when you find a real diamond in the rough that somebody brings to you that i otherwise like you guys i might have found you at some point but not as quickly as i did with cats intervention saying hey you got to go check these guys out yeah. Now, see, I've been doing the same thing for years with pornography all over the world. <laughs> I've people, they, they're taking their clothes off in Germany. And it's great. And my wife has said to me, finally, she said, would you get into more into the paranormal stuff? And just and lay off the, no, I'm just teasing with that. That was a terrible joke when you were being so, God forgive me. Originally, originally. Counterbalanced. No. <laughs> You were going to say something, Paul. Go ahead, please. I was going to say, originally, Stan wanted to call the show The Playboys Under the Stairs. <laughs> That's right, The Playboys Under the Stairs. <laughs> but I'm getting a little long in the tooth for that, it seems. Steve, no. how did you get this? Uh, you know, uh, where do you get all your stories from? I mean, we get an idea of this. And I want, you know, what are your favorite stories? And I, I know I want you to grace us with a story tonight here before we run out of time. And before we run out of time, would you promise, I'm going to lay it on you, would you promise to come back? and? Oh, absolutely. I had a wonderful time here. And just It's amazing how fast time passes when you're doing something like that. I did a show this morning, and the hour just flew by. I could have done another two or three hours without even breaking a sweat. But oh, absolutely. Story-wise, it's they're like my children. It's it's hard to pick a favorite. I mean, in a way, they're all my favorites. You know, you have some that you like a little better than others, but you don't want the others to know about it. <laughs> but yeah. um, again, it's just through talking to people. And then since, you know, I published my books, I put my email address in there and my Facebook and all that. I get people coming to me now with stories. And I've started two other people that I know of on the same road. One is a mutual friend of Kat and I, Cisco Murdoch. Mm. Uh, Soraya put uh, she and I together. He's got, I, I had a guest on my show there and I, she just called in and told some stories. He's like, I think you two would hit it off. She was like me. She grew up in the South from Alabama and then now she's living in New Jersey. So one Sunday afternoon, we'd exchange information. She calls me and we talked for like five or six hours and it was literally like reconnecting with a, a best friend that I hadn't yep. talked to in years. Well, well you mean you mean she talked for five or six hours. <laughs> I love it, Cisco. <laughs> the lady can talk, but I I was right in there with her. She was on the show with me today and we just said it's just time stands still when we get together. Uh, we were on Soraya's show one time and uh, we didn't know if he'd fallen asleep or what happened. He had had a technical difficulty and didn't want to stop us. So he just let us run. And we ran like, I think close to three hours before we're like, and you can hear us. It's, Soraya, are you there? Where'd you go to? <laughs> what happened? And he couldn't couldn't cut in with his microphone. So when we finally just gave up and left, then he ended the show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, Steve, do the, do the stories ever scare you? I've had some that are I find unnerving. Uh, there's just certain things that kind of give me the the heebie-jeebies, if you will. Uh, particularly anything demonic uh, bothers me. And a lot of that's because, said later in life, I had a brother that became a Pentecostal minister. And, of course, they believe very fervently in the, the casting out of demons and that sort of activity of exorcisms, although they don't call it exorcisms. Yes. And I would hear firsthand accounts from this man who, you know, I knew and trusted in 
just it was amazing to see him as my brother and as a preacher because I knew that he lived what he preached. He wasn't just one of these guys that do as I say, not as I do. He yes. he lived what he believed there. And he would tell me just these incredible stories of demonic possession that he had encountered. And I'm just like, you know, wow, I don't want anything to do with any of that. If I know something's demonic, I'll leave it alone. Do you know I'm the same way? And that's the reason I asked you. <laughs> I was just talking to my wife about this the other day. And I know I've said it to Paul. Paul said a couple of times, let's do some things or let's do some things of the Ouija, but whatever. And you know, Paul knows where we're going to go with this. And I'm sure Kat does by now. If you're conscious of something, if you're aware of something, even in quantum mechanics theory, you know, your thought can affect particles. Observing things can affect the, the, the Absolutely. Particles. And uh, it's a funny thing. As a scientist, I don't want any involvement in things demonic. I don't want to, and it is with that, it is letting that demon in your life, that bad juju, whatever you want to call it. I don't care what the name for it is. Now, as a younger guy, that didn't uh, phase me. Believe it or not, as a wiser, more educated, more scientific guy, I don't want to play with stuff that, uh, uh, you know, that science doesn't have an explanation for. Right. But I think exists. And I don't want to play with it. And uh, when I heard you say that, I, it, it made me feel so much better. I, and, you know, <laughs> and I felt funny saying it. I thought, okay, no, they're going to really I'm think I'm wacko because I'm talking no, demons. I'm now. with you. <laughs> I don't want any part of it. And when I heard the cat and her friends on the show there talk about, you know, making sure that their family isn't affected. And everything, I said, oh, Jesus. You know, yeah. um, and, and other people listening to the show, they'll say, oh, come on, Stan, you're a highly trained son. What are you talking nonsense like that? It's not mm. nonsense. To me, well, and there's even the, the concept of the tulpa, you know, where you can feed enough energy into something to bring it into mm -hmm. existence, good or bad. You know, that's mm -hmm. like Slender Man, for example. That started out as a silly little thing on the internet, but once you hit that consciousness where it's kind of in the hive mind, then people actually started having real sightings of it, apparently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it should be another discussion we all have. On, on stuff like that, that we have together. What do you think about that, Paul, about playing around? Because, uh, it, you know, we want Steve to tell the story and continue on. But what do you think about that playing around with the, the demon kind of thing? I know you like that. Yeah, you, you definitely have to be careful. And I was doing, uh, I did a podcast uh, for YouTube. I, I just put out today about ghost monsters and manifestations of the mind. Where just what we're talking about, if you believe something enough, uh, you, you could possibly uh, breathe life into this, uh, what the magicians or witches would call a thought form. Yeah. And uh, pe people have been known uh, to create thought forms that they could not get rid of because you're supposed to be able to uncreate them once you are done with them. But there are stories out there of people dabbling in magic who said they've created these things and they've followed them for life. They, they couldn't undo them. They couldn't get rid of them. So that's, that's not even talking about the entities out there that, um, you know, are not created by the mind, you know, the, the demonic, the, you know, whatever you want to call them, they're, they're definitely out there. And, um, you have to be aware because they're, they're nothing to play with. And think of it, if you went to the cancer treatment centers of America or you went to the Mayo Clinic and you had cancer, one of the things they do if they were treating you in a fully comprehensive way of mind, body and spirit, 
uh, and you were having some counseling, they'd be saying, think about those cancer cells. Think about them drying up. Think about them dying. Mm -hmm. Or if you're treating somebody for something that's psychogenic or psychosomatic, you can die. You can get yourself seriously ill. You can cause serious problems with your immune, immune system. Every scientist knows that. So what's the difference? Mm-hmm. Is what I'm saying. You know, what's the difference? There's a scary story right there in the making. But Steve, I want to ask you more questions. I know we do, but before we run out of time, can you grace us with a scary story and give the folks listening to this show? Because I know they're going to say, please have this guy back. Shut my mouth. <laughs> you give us a story. Absolutely. <clears throat> and, and could we hear an unnerving one? <laughs> Well, this one is, it's a little different. Uh, The gentleman that I actually collected this from has since passed away, but it is one of my favorite stories. And it's one of those where it kind of shows you that things can be scary, but then things aren't always what they seem either. And it's called The Light in the Coffin. And I'm just, I'm going to read it here from the way I recorded it um, try to get that vernacular the way the gentleman talked and his patterns of speech and things just to add that air of authenticity to the tale it's called the light in the coffin a long time ago i was seeing this young lady who lived several miles away and i'd stayed at her house a little later than i'd planned one sunday evening after church Now, back in the day, we called it courting or sparking, which basically meant that we weren't really old enough to date, so it was how couples got to know each other under the watchful eye of parents. I guess things sure have changed a lot since then. Anyway, it was late, probably about 11 at night, and I had a long walk ahead of me by the old country roads. Knowing I had to be up early Monday morning to do my farm chores, I was already regretting staying so late. So I had the bright idea to cut through the woods and try and save myself some time. I wasn't scared of the woods. I'd played in them since I was just a little boy. As I got older, I often hunted in these same woods and fished on the bordering lake. So off I went through the woods, hoping I'd get home in time to at least get four or five hours sleep before I had to get up and milk the cows. Life on the farm starts early. I was coming through a small hollow when I noticed something odd off to my right. I was following a little game trail, and whatever I was seeing was farther off into the woods. As I got closer, I saw what appeared to be a coffin with a glowing light inside. Well, needless to say, it shook me up pretty badly. I was so scared that I just started running. I ran through saw briars, tripped over rocks and roots, you name it, and I either plowed through it, fell over it, whatever. But by the time I got home, I sure was a mess scratched, cuts all over, bleeding, and so on. I'd even torn the knees out of my good Sunday pants. I was still so scared of what I'd witnessed that I was sweating and shaking all over. I almost hate to admit it now, but back then, most of my family were superstitious. Not so much my dad, but my mother was extremely superstitious. I guess it rubbed off on me. I was sure that I'd witnessed some strange omen that foretold my death. Still, I was scared silly, and with tears on my cheeks, I hesitantly awakened my parents and told them what I had seen. As expected, my superstitious mother started panicking and crying, thinking that I, or at least someone else in the family, was a goner for sure. My dad wasn't happy at being woken up, but he dragged himself out of bed and started getting dressed. Like I said, he wasn't very superstitious and wanted to put an end to this before the whole house was in an uproar. 
I didn't want to go back out and was already sure I wouldn't last through the night. But my dad prevailed, and soon we were back out in the woods, retracing my route. Before long, we reached the area, and I saw the slowly glowing light. My heart began to race. I knew it was for real now. My dad left me on the path and ventured in closer. Suddenly, he let out a loud laugh. Now, that kind of shocked me even more. How on earth could he find this funny? Still chuckling, he called me over, assuring me everything was going to be okay. Somewhat reluctantly, I joined him. There's your coffin with a light in it, he said, putting a hand on my shoulder. I looked over and saw what he was talking about. On the ground was a half-rotted log with a firefire caught in a spider web inside it. Boy, did I ever feel foolish. To this day, I'm no longer superstitious despite being raised that way by my mother. My father's passed on now, but I'll forever be in his debt for going back out into the woods with me that night. If he hadn't discovered it was just a lightning bug caught in a spider web and a half-rotted hollow log, I probably would have died of sheer fright. Wow. <laughs> nice little slice of Appalachia there. And that's my grandmother's family was very much like that. They believed in portents and omens. And, you know, God forbid you put a hat on the bed, you might as well just have shot somebody or um, whistling at the dinner table or whistling in mm. bed uh, after lights out. Just little things like that. And, and their big thing was the calendar falling off the wall. The calendar fell off the wall, pick it up, and, and mark the date because within a week or two, somebody was going to die. Wow. So now in my house, I, I got around there, but I don't hang calendars on the walls. So I don't, <laughs> don't have to worry about anybody dying around here. You know, as stupid as it sounds, Steve, and, uh, you know, and, and it's not actually, it, I don't think it's stupid. The Smithsonian, when you mentioned the, Appa, the Appalachian, uh, you know, they uh, in the 20s and 30s and 40s, they, they copied all the music. They went down there and, you know, people have done that. They've had, uh, you know, interviews with slaves and things. Uh, yeah, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm talking about from other areas. Do, 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 do any government agencies or, you know, like of, of our arts uh, and sciences, do, does anybody collect information like this? Any colleges or universities? Uh, there are some universities now, believe it or not, that have Appalachian Studies yeah, programs, yeah, which I would love to have taken part in. I think, uh, I want to say it's either ETSU or MTSU, which is East Tennessee State University or Middle Tennessee State University. Mm -hmm. They have a program, and I think over in the Carolinas, they have one. And, of course, they're... The southern part of it, that's not all the Appalachians. It actually, the, the mountain range runs from uh, somewhere in Alabama all the way up into Canada. Yeah. And uh, the Appalachian Trail itself runs from Georgia into Maine. And that that's on my bucket list. I want to through-hike the Appalachian Trail in one direction. Uh, I know people that have done it, and I've hiked on it in just about every state that it goes through except for Maine. But I, I would love to, to hike from one end to the other. But... Yeah, the, the Appalachian studies and stuff, it's out there. Like I said, I'm not that familiar with it, but I, I know that it exists. But one of the best resources, I think, for the stories in uh, Jonesboro, Tennessee, have to call mm -hmm. it historic Jonesboro, Tennessee. That's the way they, they market it to tourists. They right. have the International Storytelling Center. And every year, I think it's like the first week in October, they have the National Storytelling Convention. 
And that's the most fun. I've never performed at it, but I've gone and spent the weekend and listened to just some of the most marvelous storytellers, not only out of Appalachia, but from around the world at that. And, and there in the, the International Center, they've got archives of story after story and just all kinds of things that, that you can can prowl through. I could easily spend a week in there. Now, don't cowboys have stories, too, as well as I mean, I know about the songs and things, but don't they do storytelling also? Oh, yeah, that was the thing. You know, if you're on a a range drive or something and you're out in the middle of nowhere, you sit around the campfire and eat beans and and drink coffee and and tell stories. There's a lot of Mm -hmm. cowboy lore and legends and things. I've looked into that a little bit since... Portland here is a, a big uh, urban area, but you get outside of it, it's farm country. A lot of you know, cowboys and loggers and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And same, I lived in uh, Las Vegas for seven years before I moved here. Same with Vegas. You know, it's all lights and neon and glamour and stuff. And then you get just outside of town. It's absolutely nothing and lots and lots of it. And just go over into Arizona and places like that. But yeah, I've, I've got some some cowboy curiosities and stuff. And maybe one day I'll, I'll put together a book of those. How about in Canada, Kat? Do, do they have, uh, you know, like, uh, like, like with Steve and stories, do they have any kind of like French Canadian lore or, or, uh, you know, some kind of special stuff that comes from Canada? Oh, I'm sure there is. I, I know of a little bit, but um, it's not like I go looking for it. And I actually probably should because it's my country and I should look for these stories. Mm-hmm. Boy, I'll tell you, who's ever listening to this show tonight, buddy, let me tell you, you won't catch this on PBS. <laughs> uh, I've, I've got a 30-second story here Please. that I, like, like Paul did for me, I'd like to do this for Cat. There was once a man. He was Canadian. He went to Tim Hortons for a coffee and a jelly donut, but Tim Hortons was closed. No, <laughs> that's so scary. Only Canadians will get that. No double double. I have a 35 second story I'd like to tell that was inspired by the uh, the coffin. Now, this is a true story. I just told my wife this uh, last week. Uh, I was this just came to my mind when I was 16. I went to live with my grandmother. And uh, she was out in the country, a little hamlet called West Town, New York. And I used to go for walks at night. You would walk, you know, leave her driveway, hang a left. You went to the main road, which wasn't very trafficy. And I would just walk up to this churchyard. And on the way to the churchyard, there was this bar called the Falderall. And there was the bar restaurant. And then there was an apartment on top of the uh, the bar. So I'm walking up to the churchyard one night and I happen to look up at the, the window in the, uh, the apartment over top the, uh, the bar restaurant. And I stop for a minute. Cause I see something through, you know, this, this blind, I was like, what, what the hell is that? So I kind of walked to the middle of the road and I looked and it. It looked like a person sitting at a table with like really wigged out hair and a long nose, like a witch you would see in a cartoon. And I'm trying to get closer and look, but every time I I get closer, it's like they turn their head and they look at me. So I'm like, what the hell is that? So I I 
I run back to the house and my, my uncle lived with my grandmother too. And I was like, man, you got to come with me. There's some weird shit up at the folder. It looks like a witch, you know? <laughs> so, so he's like, oh, get it. And I was like, no, man, come on. You know, you, you got to see this if it's still there. So he gets up, gets his shoes and we, you know, go up the road and, you know, we're like, yeah, that's weird. What the hell is that? So we finally get closer and what it was, my own imagination, plus through the, the blinds on the window, it was a vase of flowers sitting on a table. <laughs> True story. But, but wow. that optical illusion, it looked like a witch. I was like, holy, what the hell is that? And there you go. <laughs> also known as, a, I, don't, I can never pronounce it, Paradelia? Paradelia? I can never pronounce it right. Well, I uh, <laughs> I, I'm not sure how to pronounce it either. I know what you're talking about. That's like where your brain connects the dots and you see a face or it's yeah. like looking at the clouds and seeing a puppy dog or a clown or whatever. Mm -hmm. yep. But I've had the same thing. I remember I woke up one night and there was a chair, rocking chair at the foot of my bed in the place I was living at the time. And there was somebody sitting in that chair looking at me. And I clicked on the lights and it's my laundry that I'd put on the chair <laughs> and I hadn't put away. So it's, you know, sometimes you get those little little frights that aren't little frights and then you're almost relieved like you know i'm glad that's all it was and then another part of me like but i really wanted somebody to be sitting in the chair you know that would have made a cool story <laughs> you know you know what i've had happen uh there's a uh, and i always my big experience is that poltergeist experience or whatever it was in augusta but a couple of other you know a couple of other times uh, i've and i have not been asleep but it's been in a, uh, a pre-sleep state where, uh, you know, I felt a hand in bed when there's been nobody there or felt somebody sitting uh, in the bed and actually, you know, felt the weight go down on the bed. And my wife has had the same thing where she said, uh, yeah, I, I think that's your late daughter or, or mom, meaning my mother. Yeah. You know, weird things like that, uh, that, you know, you, but not in a sonambulant state or anything else like that where, you, where you're fully awake. Yeah, you know, I've had that happen before in a couple of different places. Uh, one out here when I first moved to Portland, I stayed in a hotel for a couple of nights. Little place way up on 82nd, which if you know anything about Portland, that's the bad part of town. Of course, the bad mm -hmm. part of town here is probably as good as the good part of town in a lot of places. Mm -hmm. But I, I felt something sit on the bed next to me felt you know the mattress pressed down and then yeah. i felt mm -hmm. like a cold hand on the back of my leg it jumped up you know nothing there but i, I felt the weight you know i felt the pressure go down there and then it had similar thing happen once in uh virginia and i can't think of the name of the little town it's just outside of damascus uh, it's where the barter theater is there's a across the street from the barter theater there's a, a place called the martha washington inn and it's been everything it's a, a very elegant hotel and spa now but back in the day it had been a school for girls it was uh, a makeshift hospital during uh, the Civil War. So it's, it's seen a lot of history. And Abingdon is the little town. Mm -hmm. And there, one night, I was sleeping in a... They have these rooms that have some amazing antiques in them. And I had was staying in this one room that had a, a bed that had belonged to Napoleon in it, the, the oh, frame wow. part. Very carved, very ornate. Had this huge 
wooden mahogany thing carved over the top that came out over the bed that was being held by a chain. And I thought, man, if that chain gives away, I'm going to be the last person who slept in Napoleon's bed. But it didn't. But then sometime during the night, it was dark, and I felt, again, that same type of feeling. This was years before the Portland experience, but somebody sat on the bed. I felt the bed shift. I felt the mattress go down on that one side. And uh, there's an old uh, gentleman there that's the porter, and he can he's worked there since he was a young man, and he's probably in his 70s now, if not older. He knows every legend about the place. I told him about it, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's very common in that room. And in this room, you're likely to experience a certain smell, or this room, the pictures like to fall off the walls. So it's, it's a very actively haunted place and a fun place to stay. Wow, and wow, and wow. Well, ladies and gentlemen, trying to keep track of the time, it's about we're we're over an hour into the show, and uh, really, wow, oh yes, <laughs> and Steve, can can we ask you to come back at least a few times? Oh, absolutely, and, uh, I've had a great time. I, I know how fast an hour can go, but I'd love to to come back anytime you do me the honor of having me. Oh, uh, and feel free, as a matter of fact, feel free to invite yourself, uh, co <laughs> No, I'm being serious. As far as I'm concerned, and I hope, Kat, I hope you'll come back. Oh, of course. Host anytime that you like it. And something I spoke to Paul about, and and, and again, it's, and, and Kat, uh, we, we were talking. I would love to do a thing with Steve and Kat and Paul and yourself and anybody else that you think have a group of people together and do campfire tales. That would be fun. Or whatever, or some mm, other would, kind of theme that like that. That would be great. And uh, might need a few hours for that one. Oh, that would be fun. We, <laughs> we, could, we could do a show. We, I'm serious. It could be two hours. It could be three hours. We can break it up into segments. There you go. And, and have it uh, done over a series. And to the folks out there, to the listening audience, again, no kidding around. Uh, we are so lucky to have uh, Kat and Steve and Paul as a wealth of experience in these and stories. Me, I don't have all those psychic experiences. Uh, you know, I have many in other areas, but not these kinds of things necessarily. But it's so fascinating listening to them. And these folks are not kidding, folks. These are uh, these are real perceptions. These are real things that, that people experience. And as you can see, these are the nicest, most well-adjusted people, with the exception of Paul uh, <laughs> out here. and myself. I, you know, I don't want to be the pot calling the kettle black. We are acquired tastes like broccoli. <laughs> but, um, you know, these are great folks. And to to have you on here, um, this is just the very tip of the iceberg with uh, the knowledge and experiences that you guys have. So thank you so much. Uh, Paul, do you have a, a, a last question for Steve or Kat or anything else like that before we start asking people where they can be reached and whatever? No, I just wanted to say uh, thanks for coming on. It was awesome to meet you, Steve, and awesome to have Kat back on the show. This was uh, thank you. This was Enjoyed meeting you as well. This this was a really awesome show. I think people are going to uh, like this one a lot. I know I did. Yeah, it's just great. And uh, I, you know, I said to Steve the other day, and uh, you know, Paul, you always do that, and Cat does it. I hope I do it, and Steve has certainly done it. This is just like if um, we were sitting around, uh, you know, a table in a bar having a beer or coffee or something like that, or sitting in somebody's living room and, uh, you know, the TV was off or, you know, no internet on or something and, and, and just discussing just super interesting things. It's just, just fascinating. It's fascinating stuff. 
you know, I'd like to hear so so many more things about uh, the uh, Appalachian folklores and the things that worry you and scared your parents and things like that. And I, and I know the listeners would like that and some more of your stories. And Paul, I wish you'd tell people about Sarah on the show and have Steve here and Kat and maybe somebody else and, and go over that. Perhaps we'll get there, but I definitely have some very uh, strange and scary stories that uh, I would like to share and, and, and get their uh, their take on it because, man, uh, they were definitely creepy. And I experienced these things, so they're not uh, the secondhand tales. Um, very scary stuff. Hopefully we can do campfire tales uh, relatively soon and get some of these nuggets out there for... Uh, listener consumption <laughs> i've got some scary tales too but uh you know my ex-wife uses them all against me they're in a packet <laughs> that but uh you know I, what can i tell you that's it's public record now but uh all that aside steve if anybody wants to reach you or see or hear your shows or anything else like that what do you have cooking how can they do that Oh, I've got a lot of things going on right now. Of course, my books are available on Amazon.com. Uh, ebooks right now, paperbacks forthcoming. Strange Things in the Woods, More Strange Things in the Woods. Those are the two volumes of stories that I've collected that I've published so far. And then from doing appearances like this, people would always say, well, have you had any paranormal experiences? And of course I have. And I found out I had enough to fill up a book of those. So My Strange World is my autobiographical book of things that have happened to me. That's available there as well. Um, I've co-written a book with uh, Cisco Murdoch. She's a really, really fine lady with a lot of stories. We were talking about her earlier. We're all children in the wilderness of the afterlife. A haunted story, or I'm sorry, a guided story through a haunted life. I always blow the title on that one because it's a <laughs> mouthful. But um, it's really her stories, and she just wanted me to come along behind her and kind of do a color commentary, if you will, and that's what I did, and it worked out well. Never co-authored with anybody, but it's definitely worth checking out. Um, also, I have my YouTube channel, 13 Past Midnight. You have to write out 13. Uh, yeah. That's me narrating stories from my books. I have some guest narrators. Cat did a wonderful uh, rendition <laughs> of the Hat Man on there for me. And uh, occasionally I'll do a little bit of fiction, scary fiction by request. Also, uh, I have a morning show, uh, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, uh, called The Morning Horde Rush. There's another YouTube channel called The Zombified. Really great couple. Um, originally out of Harlem. They live in Massachusetts now. And uh, I do a live stream for them three days a week. Have some interesting guests on there. Kat's been not only my guest, but an occasional co-host. And she's going to co-host again with me. Wow. Uh, last week of October, I'm going to have her for three days. So school, back to school and all that. And um, otherwise, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Uh, at Strange and Odd is my Twitter handle. I'm on Facebook. And my email address is in the back of all my books. So I'm, I'm easy to get a hold of. I love to hear from fans, from readers, from people with story to tell. Love that interaction. Wow. Fantastic. I've got to get your books uh, when there's a hard copy. I like to feel the books. Absolutely. And I'll get you to sign them. Okay, I'll do it. Wonderful. I know you would. You're a nice guy. How about you, Kat? Every show I'd like to ask you, how can people reach you, reach out to you, hear your shows? What do you do? Uh, Well, they can find my show, Paranormal Heart. Um, It comes out the last Sunday of every month. That's when the new new, uh, show comes out. 
that's on Podbean, YouTube, iTunes, IamDarkWaters.com. I'm pretty much everywhere as you can find a podcast. And if you want to send me an email, it's ParanormalHeart13 at gmail.com. If you've had paranormal experiences, I would love to hear about it and maybe have you on the show. Fantastic. How about you, Paul? I'm unreachable. I'm a hermit. No. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's always giving me a hard time. I'll <laughs> In fact, I'm dead. I'm just a gas who can talk. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm on uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Paul James Caden. Just punch in my name or Paul James Caden dash the spirit side. I have the spirit side podcast, the spirit side YouTube channel, which is usually just the uh, podcast put to a video format, but occasionally I do uh, for YouTube only uh, videos and, uh, or they can email me at nocturnalmagic at gmail.com. I too am very easy to find. That's not what the FBI was asking. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, I'm Stan Wangland. In uh, in addition to this wonderful show, I also have my uh, own individual show called Just Thinking with Stan Wangland. And uh, that's a lovely show. I just love that show to death. Like uh, I I love this show. And uh, that's on usually about five times a week. We do about five, uh, six shows a week. I also have a new Patreon site, uh, which you can get, uh, you know, www.patreon.com slash Stan Wangland. If you're interested uh, in becoming a patron and taking the show to another level, Uh, we're on all the platforms, all the major platforms. And certainly want to uh, bust into some ones that even have uh, a bigger audience, uh, you know, because of uh, wonderful people like you're seeing on the show tonight uh, can be on there. So that's a great show. I'm easy to get a hold of. It's S Wangland, S-W-A-N-G-L-U-N-D at gmail.com. That's my regular thing. I'm on Facebook at Stanley Wangland. I'm at Twitter at S Wangland. And I would love to hear from you on any issue, whether you like the shows, you don't like them. Uh, what you're thinking about, uh, your reaction to the shows, whatever. Uh, we love having you as part of the the, the family and friends of, uh, of the show because it is that kind of experience for you, hopefully. I know it is for us. Uh, and, 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 I'm sorry, Paul. And, 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 you know, folks, feel free to uh, email Stan. I, I email him daily and tell him I don't like his shows. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I have to tell you the truth, and I bet you guys get the same thing. I have yet to to get hate email from anybody, not even a one. And I do a lot of controversial shows on my just thinking shows, uh, you know, with, with whatever. And I, I, I've been so tickled pink about that. Uh, you know, I'm I'm always waiting for somebody to say, yeah, you goddamn lived hard or whatever. It is. <laughs> I, I never get that. I just do not get it. And I don't know why. Uh, you know, it's not because I'm a lovable guy, I'm sure. I'm sure I aggravate other people, but I've, I've just been very lucky with that. But uh, I know Paul gets a lot of hate mail, and that's why he had to project that onto me. Steve is adored by men, women, and small children. Cat is famous all throughout uh, Canada, as we call it here in the United States. <laughs> you know, the U.S. is definitely being dumbed down by the second. <laughs> Canada, also known as America's hat. That's right. <laughs> I, I made a Canadian so mad one time when I, and I just said that jokingly. I had someone tell me that one day. I said, yeah, well, the Americans are Canadian trousers. 
There you go. I'm still waiting to lose my job as a legitimate and bona fide college professor. I'm still, you know, all of the crazy things that I, that I say and do and and get involved with. I'm I'm still waiting to be uh, called up on charges somehow, somewhere. <laughs> and have the the is this the end of Rico? <laughs> it's all going to be due to to uh, Paul or something. And now we're all Paul. accessories uh, yes. to the crime it's, it's, too, because we know about it now. Yes, it's it's all long overdue. Well, folks, this has been a great show, and and again, um, I guess on behalf of everybody, we're just going to sign off and. Uh, We'll be seeing you soon, and Steve will be back because he's a great guy, and Kat will be back, and Paul will be back, and I hope you'll be back. So until next time, this is everybody from uh, the people under the stairs saying thank you and God bless. Take care. Good night. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The People Under the Stairs. If you would like to reach out to the host of this show, please feel free to email Paul at nocturnalmagic at gmail.com. That's nocturnalmagic at gmail.com. And if you would like to reach out to Stan, please feel free to go over to his Twitter page and give him a follow at S. Wanglin. That's at S-W-A-N-G-L-U-N-D. Or feel free to email him at swangland at gmail.com. That's at swangland at gmail.com. And please continue to check out all the new episodes of The People Under the Stairs every Wednesday and every Sunday on the Reality Check Podcast Network. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. It's cutting into your exercise time. It's stabbing you in the back nine. And it's attacking your peace of mind. It's pain, and it's getting in between you and the life you want to live. CBD Medic targets your pain at its source. It's fast-acting relief with active OTC ingredients, plus the added benefits of THC-free hemp oil. Get back to your life with CBD Medic, available online and at CVS. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey everyone, this is Stan Wangler from Just Thinking. Stop on by this week and listen to some of the great podcasts we have lined up for you. Two in particular are really good shows. One is called Are We Driving Ourselves Insane? Well, are we? And the next one is called Have You Been Having a Bad Day? Did You Have a Bad Day? Well, if you did, this is the show for you. And I bet you, when you get done listening, you'll feel a lot better. So join us. What's going on? You have John Wanglin, one of the hosts of Wrestling With Reality. Check out our shows this week on Wrestling With Reality. We have some great shows. We have our MMA show. We look at is Khabib Namaga Madoff versus George St. Pierre a reality? Why John Jones is such a disgrace to the UFC? We also have on WCW Monday Nitro Watch Along, and we take a look back at Triple H in his 25-year career in the WWE. So check out Wrestling With Reality on all major podcast outlets.